the entrepreneur is key. We talked about the fact that if you go to your friends or family to go ask for money, who are they giving the money to? To you. Exactly. So that means that a team is the core driver of any business. The thing is that you are not you are investing in the business, but you're actually investing in the team because don't forget this business is, is going to face roadblocks. So what you are investing in now that is making money now could face a roadblock that could make them yeah. obsolete. Who are the people who are able to actually unplug this roadblock mm -hmm. in order to put your business back in a form that it can make money? It's a team, it's not a product. So what I always tell entrepreneurs is that, listen, the inventor or somebody who actually normally starts a business mm -hmm. is actually the wrong person to lead the business. You need to bring in or try and identify skills in some of the places that you know you're not good at in order to um, come together to formulate a strong team. Hi, my name is David Coleman, founder of Council of Local Experts, otherwise known as COAL. We give entrepreneurs and professionals a place where they can get the best possible advice on how to grow any type of business. Starting a business is full of risky missteps that can bring the dream to an early end. Still, we persevere. Also, because the growth of entrepreneurship in Africa is critical to the survival of our continent. In this cold series of interviews, we will be bringing you in-depth interviews with passionate African achievers to share their local perspective, insights, and challenges. We hope you find it valuable. My name is Yofi Indra and today uh, we are uh, going through coal expert interviews. Uh, with us today is Stanie Ayete. Welcome. Thanks, Yofi. Uh, Stanie has over 15 years experience in the financial industry. On top of that, he is a lecturer in corporate social responsibility. Stanie, maybe you'd uh, like to give us a little bit about yourself and about your history and well, how we got here today. David here. Yofi, our host, is a technology sector business development star, known for driving new initiatives. His deep experience spans business process re-engineering from operations and vendor management to utilizing the latest cloud technologies in order to enable customer success at scale. This is what makes him a great sparring partner for our guest. Stanley, our guest, comes with a wealth of knowledge and experience. As a banker, he uses his skills to coach and mentor multiple organizations across the globe with a particular focus on Africa. His love and drive for entrepreneurship development on the continent has him spending half the year traveling across Africa, working closely with organizations seeking funding as well as those that have successfully secured investment and are looking to accelerate their growth. His passion and job are to advise and support their scaling efforts. Securing funding is a major part of it. You may ask, how do you get funding in the first place? Well, apparently, there's more to it than a great idea. A lot more. Oh, jeez, Yofi, thank you very much for the, for the introduction. And it's great to be here at Coal Collective. I think this is a great um, ideology in order to actually get entrepreneurs to better understand how to move forward. So I think I'm very happy to be here. But yeah, I mean, the whole idea is that like, um, I came here to actually study to try and find a way to promote um, entrepreneurship mm -hmm. development. And throughout the years, 
I've been um, fortunate enough to have worked with over a thousand entrepreneurs in terms of trying to develop their business into a more um, sustainable, sustainable financial institution to be able to actually take advantage of the market. Great. And I think one of the topics that we're going to kind of go, uh, go over today mainly is becoming investment ready. Of course. Right? And that, that kind of leads into the background that you've had, the organizations you work with, and also maybe a bit about your, your, your passion. You know, could you kind of maybe tell us a story um, maybe based on an organization you've worked with that kind of leads somebody through that track of why they actually want investment and the direction that they might want to go into? Yeah, I mean, I'll actually use myself as an example because, I mean, I think the whole idea is that, you know, individuals starting a business are going to have to come up with an idea that has not only meaning, but they firstly have some form of experience in. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, you know, one of the things when I first came into Netherlands was to be able to actually coach entrepreneurs. So, I mean, you know, I come from a banking background. What can I be able to do? Yep is in the financial industry. So I actually started a consultancy which actually focused on coaching entrepreneurs on their financial um, sustainability. And that is, um, that is one thing that is very, very important when you want to um, start a business is that there's got to be some form of experience. Mm -hmm. You come coming in with experience rather than just saying that you want to start a business. So, you know, in simple terms, if you want to start a business, yep. for example, come up with an idea that you know that you have experience in, or you can find a team that can um, bring that experience to you. Okay. Would you say that experience, you, you gain that over the years? So if I take you as an example, yes. you uh, originally you were born in Ghana, mm -hmm. and then you moved to South Africa with, yeah. with your family, and then now, now, that, now that you're in the Netherlands. When you look at those different environments and that experience, do you think that the positioning is different depending on where you are. So if somebody in Ghana versus uh, South Africa versus maybe here now in the lectures that you're giving? Of course, I think, and, and it's, very, um, it's very ironic that you mentioned that because I think my life journey is actually what has led me to the career path that I've taken. For example, when we lived in Ghana, my dad is a doctor, of yep. course, and HIV in the late 80s mm -hmm. became quite a prominent um, thing. And in South Africa, there was at that time, there was a lot of um, non-black doctors. Yep. So, of course, you know, with apartheid, there was not um, facilities to actually treat this, um, you know, the locals mm -hmm. with um, the HIV. So, my dad actually decided to go to South Africa to actually help the locals, um, the locals, because he's a black doctor. And one of the things that we realized is that we actually lived in a village. My dad was one of the only doctors in a village of about, let's say, 2,000 um, people. And he realized that these people have um, pain capacity. So what he did was that he just started a clinic in the village and people actually came for medical service in that clinic. And through that, he actually became a successful doctor. The point of Stanley's family story should not be missed. It's all about leveraging your experience. His father was doing what he does best, helping people with an urgent need for his expertise. Discovering a widespread inconvenience that can be solved by applying your expertise is often that eureka moment when a business idea is born. An opportunity identified in your field of expertise can quickly turn into a viable business venture when a founder can offer a high quality solution to a market opportunity because of his or her experience.
high level of expertise applied in addressing a gap in the market is the basic ingredients for a potential commercial hit. Would you, would you say that that was the first step in entrepreneurship within your family? And I think that was the first entrepreneur in our family because most of the, our family, uh, most of my aunts and yeah. uncles are all doctors, but they all work in hospitals and they all work in like, you know, private hospitals. But the one thing that actually struck me was that he went there with the intention of making a difference. With that intention, or with his background, he yeah. started a medical um, facility in order to make a difference and he actually became quite successful at it. And I, at that, for me, when I was young, it never really stuck in my head. I didn't understand that. But the more I grew up and when I actually started um, my own journey, mm -hmm. I realized that, listen, you don't always necessarily have to start the business with the intention that I'm going to make it big. You can start the intention with a different purpose, mm -hmm. but the idea is that you have to make money because that's what yep. drives any other organization. And I think for me, that is something that has always stayed with me and hope, and that is indirectly the message that I try to pass on to entrepreneurs now, although in a much more technical space <laughs> and a more ideological space, but yeah. I think making money, I think definitely in the end, you have bills to pay. Of course. You want to be able to grow. You want to be able to maybe give, give back to the community that, that you work in. But then bring it back to that making a difference. Mm. Should that be a core? When we talk about investment, I suppose that there's a lot of different organizations of that look course. at it pure from the book value mm. or the numbers. But then what's a differentiator? Would you say making that difference or having a passion could be a differentiator when going towards investment opportunities? Do you know, I think like, you know, making a difference, when we talk about making a difference, it's actually trying to actually change the way that we operate as businesses. The whole thing is that if I want to make computers, you can still make computers because yep. computers are still needed. But it is the process in which you take to make a computer yep. that defines whether you're making a difference or not. And I think that is the whole, that is what people need to get in your mind with. And now yeah. there's this whole new idea of social um, entrepreneurship and social investment. It is no different than mm -hmm. traditional. The only difference is that what are you using, how you are making it, are people being exploited and all of those. It's what defines whether you're making a difference or not. But the goal is always the same, is to start a business yeah. to make money. <laughs> So that must always yeah. be in your mind because like you said, and something that we probably are um, going to touch on later, is that nobody will invest in your business if they are not going to make a return. And that's what we call it investment, not free money. Yeah, so true. it is very, very um, important to also know that you need to make money in your process. And you mentioned, uh, and you said actually one thing that's, that's very poignant, free money. Yeah. Right? There is no such thing as free money. Of course. People may assume that you can, and it doesn't matter if you get, I suppose, money from family or money from a bank or money from other investment sources. So when people think about money or think about what they need mm -hmm. in order to grow their businesses, how should they position that in their mindset? And it's not free, but what are those strings that are potentially attached to that? Of course. Now for, I always see it as like this. For example, when you come up with an idea, mm -hmm. okay, nobody's going to buy an, an idea because if people are going to buy ideas, I will be a billionaire by now. Yep. People want to buy products and services that have been accepted by the market. Here, Stanley is talking about what marketers call product market fit. The market, and only the market, decides on how useful or valuable your offering is. And until customers start buying your product or service, all you have is an unvalidated idea. Once you start making sales, that validation is your first tangible sign 
of potential. People want to buy things that they know that it is accepted into yep. the market. And that is when you're able to sell your first product or show a tangible result from your idealization. So in the beginning, when you know that people are not going to pay for an idea, the people that you have to firstly go to are the people who trust you as an individual. Because they are the people who will be willing to invest in your idea because they know you as an individual. Mm -hmm. They will not invest if they know that this guy is just somebody who just talks and walks away. So naturally, when you come up, when you are starting, a, you want to start a business and you come up with an idea, the first people you have to approach are your family, yeah. your friends, the people who can firstly support you. The minute you actually come up with your um, a, a tangible mm -hmm. um, phase of your idea, is when you can start approaching outsiders because they can see tangibility. Because now they're not buying your word, they're buying something that they can see. And yep. that is why you always have to look at what do I need every stage of my business development. So like right now, if we've stuck with the idealization stages, when you're thinking about mm -hmm. the idea, some of the people that you can even approach is foundations. Because foundations give money in order to change the world. Yep. You don't give money to make a return. So it's very, very, very important to actually identify who you need, what you need, and who you can get the money from. Of course, the whole, the whole thing is that you only become a business when you've sold a product. Yeah. That, the minute you sold the product, now you're making outside money. So that means that you can go outside to finance that product. Now that I'm starting to make money, where can I get money from? Okay, now that I'm starting to make yeah. more money and I need to grow more, where is the next step? Mm -hmm. but taking a step back, mm -hmm. is there a question, do they actually need the funding? Because some organizations or some people may think, I have to have that, mm -hmm. and they don't do certain steps prior. Like you said, you have to be able to sell the product. Yeah. Maybe you can do that in a much more, let's say, a, a, a much freer way, of course. Um, with much less investment than you actually think you need. Of because course. like you mentioned, that comes with its own, um, its, its own ties if you do go to other sources. Of course. You know? And the first thing that you've got to think about when you start a business is that, firstly, do I have enough money to sustain the business? Mm -hmm until it gets to a certain point where it can make its own money, okay? Yeah. Now, if you have enough money, i.e. you've saved enough money for you to actually build during your idealization state or your startup, build a business to a point where it can make its own money, then you actually don't need the money. I always believe you only need money mm -hmm. when you get to a point that you know that thing that you're gonna use the money for is gonna pay for itself. You are not going to pay for it as an individual. For example, let me give you an example. If I take what they call equity, for example, that means that... Equity is the value of the shares issued by a company. The business that I'm building, I'm going to invest in equity to actually develop a software. That software in the future is going to pay for that equity, mm -hmm. not you as an individual. Let me give you another example. If I need to buy a factory, okay? Yep. When I buy a factory, I'm gonna use debt to buy the factory because what is that factory gonna do? It's indirectly gonna generate cash flow to pay for itself. Cash flow is the net amount of cash and cash equivalents being transferred into and out of a business. So that's what individuals should never need money. Yep. Companies need money in order to um, make cash flow to pay it back. So when you're asking yourself the question, do I actually need money? It's all about your ability to be able to finance yourself until your product or services mm -hmm. is able to pay for itself. 
And if you can answer that question, then you can. You don't necessarily need to get money. You don't have to. A lot of the time, uh, some startups, you talk about valuation. Of course. Right? And the investment is actually just used to increase their valuation in order for them to go to the next of round. Of course. It becomes a circular thing that's constantly course. happening. Where do you, what do you feel about that type of approach? I think that type of approach is very dangerous because we had a recent example um, where it's called WeWorks. WeWork is an American commercial real estate company that provides shared workspaces for technology startups and services for other enterprises. Well, WeWorks was a company that thought they were, um, you know, they created this high valuation and then they went into the actual market to raise money based on that valuation. The whole market saw that, hold on guys, this is not really what your company is worth. Yeah. And one of the things that entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs has to remember is that reputation is the most critical element of your business growth. And when you go in there with that sort of high valuation in order to prop up the market price so mm -hmm. that you can get more money for your business people remember that so next time if you get it wrong the first time next time you actually go out there yep. to actually raise money what do you think the market perception is going to be negative bingo so that's why transparency is very very key because don't forget these guys or these people are investors because they are prudent they are pedantic they are very analytical they actually understand yep each stage of what the business needs that's why they invest this okay so when you go there rather be transparent and get it wrong mm -hmm. than be intransparent and then get caught later yeah okay i think that's that's quite quite interesting when you talk about the investors themselves and what they look at mm -hmm. depending on the different stage of an organization what do investors actually look at and maybe maybe define what are the different type of investors right so you of have course. to um, you have the investment firms, you may have specific banks uh, that, that may want to, you have angel investors. So different ones, I assume, would look at different things depending on the stage that you're at. Of course. And I always believe, like, you know, one of the things that we talk about is that it's always attached mm -hmm. to the type of money that you need. So in the beginning, you always got to think, okay, what do I need this money for? Yep. How would I be able to pay this money back? If you can work it, that out, you take that pocket and then you go out and say, who are the type of people that are able to give this type of money mm -hmm. and then you focus on them because for example one of the things that we talked about is that if you're in idealization state you know that nobody's gonna buy ideas so what you're gonna do you're gonna go to your friends and family who mm -hmm. believe in you as an individual because they know you they trust you they will give you the money so during your idea stage making up like the concept and things like that is always easier to go to people that really know you. Yeah. Start by going to family and friends. Stanley has mentioned this twice now, and he'll mention it a few more times. But does this approach work in the African context? Let's unpack that for a moment. Firstly, convincing those nearest and dearest to you to take a chance on you is an opportunity to pitch yourself and your idea. No chance to practice your pitch early on should be missed. If it works, great! Congratulations. However, within the average African context of underbanked societies, high unemployment and low disposable income levels, founders might find their networks lacking in the means to help. Securing investment from friends and family might be a foreign assumption that is therefore hard to practically achieve in the typical African setting. 
There are, however, other financing alternatives like Ghana Susu or other microfinance lenders that founders should look into. When you start up, when you actually start your business and you sold your first product, it is very, very important to realize that at that stage, you don't have a lot of cash flow. Because in order to actually make profits, you need to actually sell a lot of products in order to make, when you start up, like, you know, when you've sold your 10 products, mm -hmm. it's not enough to pay wages and everything like that. So it is at that time also very difficult to go to a bank because a bank will require you to have a certain amount of profits and a certain amount of years of experience. Yeah. So then you have to look at, okay, who are the type of people that give money to companies in this state? And that's where they call themselves venture capitalists or like individual angel investors. Because those are the people that have got their own money mm -hmm. that can actually take a risk on you, on the business. But don't forget, the type of return that they're going to require is quite high because of the mere fact that there's no certainty at that yeah. time whether your business is going to do well or not. The whole thing is that the minute you start making profits, for example, mm -hmm. that means that you've got enough spare change yeah. to give some away. So the minute you start making profit, you can start approaching the banks and say, listen, now I'm making profit. I can actually use some of this profit in order to pay for a loan for something that will make the business grow bigger and I'll make more profit. And that is how, when you're thinking about fundraising, it's got to start from what the business needs, not what I can get. Because when you start thinking about that, you already got it wrong. Like, yeah, okay. And that goes in into the cash flow because you have to understand your cash flow. You have to understand. How and that comes into it because, I mean, like, you know, one of the main things, like, um, I was, I actually got a, a, a SMS from a mm -hmm. company in, in Ghana. Yep. And what they were doing was that they were looking for funding. So um, a friend of mine actually put me in touch because the person is Ghanaian, I'm Ghanaian, you're Ghanaian. <laughs> so of course, you, you know, you do whatever you can to help them. But you know, of course, as much as I try, I put him, but let me give you an example of what happened. Mm -hmm. He was looking for 4 million um, euros in order to buy a machine, a carrot juice processor in Europe. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, this is great because 4 million euros, the carrot juice processor, you're going to bring it to Ghana, you've got all the carrot production and it's going to pay for itself because now you're going to make carrot juice, yeah. you're going to sell it and now you can sell it at the margin and you can pay for it. This is a great idea. That's what you need the money for. So I asked him, okay, can you send me a little something about your business, like a business plan or your financial yeah. statement so that we can better understand how strong your business is to take on money like four million. And he sent me four pages. Mm -hmm. of um, notes. He sent me, um, this is what my business is about, my mission, and he sent me one page of numbers that is not your income statement, it's not your balance sheet, and it's not your cash flow. Now, if you are a small business who is looking for 10,000 um, euros, yeah, then I will understand the sophistication of your, num of your papers are yeah. quite not good. But if you're looking for 4 million um, um, euros, that's a lot of money. That means that you have to have a strong business foundation and you've got to prove to whoever is going to give you that four million that your four million is going into something that is going to generate returns for them to get your four million back. So when you talk about, and it comes back to the whole idea of investment readiness, being business ready, there are certain elements, basics that you need to have as a business. Such as? Firstly, you need to have a very, very, investors look at a very strong business plan. 
okay? Yeah. Because your business plan actually told the investors what exactly you are trying to achieve in a holistic manner. Because don't forget, your business plan is got who are your customers, what is your market, who are your competition, what is your financial product um, capability. So having a business plan is very, very important. Being able to interpret what you're trying to achieve is also very, very important. Because let me give you an example. If you if we're gonna use this carrot production yeah. um, company for example, he wanted four million. He understood what he needed at four million for, but he couldn't present it to investors the way that investors could understand. He was already pro, um, producing. I mean, the guy was making money. Yeah. There was nothing wrong, but he couldn't give the justification to the investors. He couldn't prove that he was investor ready. Was that more of a? Did he have more of a pitch? Than a business plan he had even less than that even a pitch will allow me to ask certain questions mm -hmm. all he had was a document because i think people believe that the businesses sold themselves yeah but it's not like that you have to actually it's like telling a story to somebody who doesn't mm -hmm. know about you for them to get to know you but how do you understand that so i mean let's say that organization or that person started up right from the ground floor mm -hmm. His parents maybe had a farm, he turned it into to, to a carrot farm, he made, made juice. and So you said he was actually generating income. Yeah. So there's a certain level of business savviness mm -hmm. that was already there in order for him to say, you know what, I'm ready for that next step. Of course. He didn't do, maybe he didn't do an MBA, maybe he didn't, um, you know, go to, go, to, go to certain schools or read certain, or certain articles or things like that. Mm -hmm. But at the core of it, he was a business person. Of course. A business person who understood how between brackets to, to make money of course um, would you say that one going investment you have to learn a certain language irrelevant of whether or not your actually investment um, that you actually can be invested in of but course. it's a, the language that you need to learn in order to get certain investments for certain certain areas of course I and mean, you're absolutely right because it is a language because in effect at the end of the day if you are an entrepreneur and you have no investment background for example mm -hmm. the whole thing is that you don't need to be master of all but you can actually identify people who can help you in that scenario. Your friends and family can be an example. But another thing as well is that we, um, you as an entrepreneur also needs to, if you know that mm -hmm. you cannot get somebody to help you, you need to develop yourself as an entrepreneur in order to be able to understand those kind of elements. And for example, I'm an entrepreneur, I have no idea of business elements or business practices. I'm not going to co-collective, for example, is like, you know, this type of um, forum. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a lot of forums that people yeah. like that can join to actually better understand what is business savviness. What do um, entrepreneurs um, mm -hmm. um, or what do investors want to look for? And that is what is so important about these communities and these networks of um, entrepreneurs is that we don't expect everybody to know everything. But there are incubators, accelerators that provide you with their a technical foundation mm -hmm. to allow you to present your business in a good light and that's why um, communities like Co Collective doing interviews like this actually give back to the entrepreneurship committee for them to better understand you don't just wake up one day and you get money for your business. No, of course. So Stanley I want to go into a little bit around the incubators yeah. right, that you mentioned and also maybe bring it a bit more locally to, to African countries Ghana, South Africa, your, a, bit, a, bit of, a bit of your experience. We talked about things that you need, such as business plans, later on when going to major institutions. But we also talked a little bit about learning that language yeah. and learning what are those steps. Um, it may seem that you, you're, you're saying that you need a fully-fledged mm -hmm. business plan that has all these various elements. But at one point, 
you, they need to start in, let's say, a path or a journey. Mm -hmm. So an incubator potentially could be something. I don't know um, how many incubators there are currently running within within the African region of the, the subcontinent. I also understanding maybe they don't need to go from A to Z in one step. So what are those little points that they could take and maybe what are those institutions or organizations that could help them along the way to gain that type of experience? Of course, and I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. I mean, you've got to take steps um, every single journey that you go on. In the, I mean, with the whole idea is that when you start your business, like we also talked about, you in idealization stage. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't know what your marketing plan is. You don't know what your um, sales plan is going to be. You're thinking about ideas. When you're thinking about the ideas, you write down notes. Yeah. This is how I want to do this. You correlate your notes. In the beginning, you don't really need to have, you don't actually need to have a complete business plan in the beginning. The whole thing is that a business plan or any other marketing tool mm -hmm. is a communication tool to the outside. Yeah. Depending on what type of communication you want to give the outside, you come up with a tool. A business plan, for example, is a communication tool when you want to approach those outside investors that we talked about in order to get money. So when we talked about in the beginning when you go to your friends and family or when you go to foundations and stuff, you don't really need a business plan at all. A business plan is um, something that helps you communicate and virtually that is it. So my main advice to entrepreneurs is that listen, when you start your business, your main focus is to ensure that you have something that works, okay? Once that main focus is actually, um, you've come around it, the next topic is that, how can I get this thing that I've made work into mm -hmm. the market? Once it's actually into the market, it's like, how can I actually make it bigger? So now I listed those steps back. In my idealization stage, mm -hmm. I don't have people who buy my ideas. So I go to my friends and family. I don't need to write them a business plan because I'm talking to them because myself, I'm not too sure yeah. how it's going to end up. So it is the form that the person that you're approaching will want it as well. For example, at that idealization stage, when you go to a foundation or an NGO, an NGO will ask you to, for, them, for you to yeah. fill in the form. That's the form that you fill in. Why do you need to give them a business plan? They don't need that. So in the beginning, you don't worry really about your business plan. The minute that you've actually gone into a stage where you know that this is mm -hmm. a workable product, you actually need that little bit of help to take to the next stage. And that's where those incubators and accelerators come in. Those are the places that actually help you write your business plan because once you get out of an incubator and accelerator, you're going to the next stage yeah. in which you need to start approaching others because you've had your foundation, you've had your idealization, now you've had your business foundation, now you're like, okay, fine, now that I've actually understood the elements of my business, I can actually put something together to communicate to the outside world that this is what my business looks like. So people very, get very, very confused about mm -hmm. when do I need a business plan. You only need a business plan when you need to communicate to the outside world yeah. what you are trying to do. A business plan can also be good for you to better understand what you're doing, but it's not necessary at all because in the beginning when you start, one of the things that um, mm -hmm. David mentioned earlier on is that you have what they call a business model canvas, for example. You can even talk to your ideas in there and that is sufficient in the beginning yeah. because you don't need to communicate to the outside world. So okay. that is some of the roles that a business plan um, plays. Taking a step back, we talked about the person as an individual organization. Mm -hmm. How important is the team aspect? Building that team, understanding who's around you, and maybe 
filling in the gaps that you don't have. Mm. How important is that when going for investment? I think the team, um, in the beginning, um, the entrepreneur is key. We talked about the fact that if you go to your friends or family to go and ask for money, who are they giving the money to? To you. Exactly. So that means that a team is the core driver of any business. The thing is that you are not you are investing in the business, but you are actually investing in the team because don't forget this business is, is going to face roadblocks. So what you are investing in now that is making money now could face a roadblock that could make them yep. obsolete. Who are the people who are able to actually unplug this roadblock mm -hmm. in order to put your business back in a form that it can make money? It's a team. It's not a product. So what I always tell entrepreneurs is that, listen, the inventor or somebody who actually normally starts a business mm -hmm. is actually the wrong person to lead the business. You need to bring in or try and identify skills in some of the places that you know you're not good at in order to um, come together to formulate a strong team and it is very and you don't need to have the whole team in the beginning you it can be you until you reach a point where you know that for example if i'm a tech, if mm -hmm. i'm um, wanting to do the um yeah. carrot business for example my parents are farmers with no carrots i'm a agriculturalist i understand mm -hmm. um, carrot i'm not a business expert so that means that i need to bring a business expert in it that will help me shape my agriculturalist idea into something commercial that's where incubators come in and i mean you know for me if you are looking for incubators or places like that can help you shape it i call it the university of google stanley's promotion of the university of google or any search engine you use as a resource is so obvious that it's actually overlooked more often than you might think information from a gazillion sources is always at your fingertips but it's often underutilized. Use it, research, see what others have done, read the stories, watch the videos. As overwhelming as a search engine like Google can be, it should not be your only go-to for all things information, but more often than not, it should be your first port of call. Yeah. Because there's so many perforated um, incubators and things like that, that I cannot tell you which one is good or which one is bad. Due to the fact that people have got different businesses, mm -hmm. there's specific ones for agriculture, the second one for IT, the specific one. So just go on Google. Yeah. Go if you're in Ghana, go on Google. Um, accelerators or incubators in agriculture in Ghana, yeah. and you find. Have a look at what uh, the criteria are. There we go. Investments. Oh, that's always a big. Deal. Is it financial investment, or are we also talking about when we talked about building the team? Investment can also be knowledge. Of course. Right? So becoming investment ready also means becoming available that actually those people will gravitate to helping you. Of course. How would you position that? And that's why they call HR human they call HR human capital. Because humanity is also an investment. Because don't forget in the beginning, in the, I always tell entrepreneurs this that think about it, when you before you some people before they start the business, they had a job. Yeah. What you can do is that three hundred and sixty five days of the year, okay? Take it, divide it by your normal, your yearly pay, mm -hmm. okay? And then work out how much you used to get paid an hour, okay? Now, what you can do is that every single time that you've spent on your business, if you put it together, you get a value for it. That's the type of human capital that you have. There's two types of human capital. There's that human capital and there's innovational ability human capital. Mm -hmm. 
And the thing is that you, as the person who started, puts in the financial cap human capital, which mm -hmm. is your time and stuff like that, but you need the innovational ability. Would that be sweat investment? Sweat investment, that is it. That is it. You putting in the time is exactly sweat investment. But the sweat investment is not enough. You need innovational investment. Mm -hmm. And that is what other people bring you. And that is why identifying the right people who actually align to what you're trying to achieve is very important. For example, if you're, if you're in the IT sector and you want to build something in IT, you know that you need the CTO. Yeah. I'm an investment specialist. If I want to build a crowdfunding platform, I'll need a CTO because my um, skill mm -hmm. is about investment, not on s software. Yeah. So it is very, very important to actually formulate a team in the, and in the beginning it can be two of you. The more the business grows, the more you need to have, um, if I can say, fragmented responsibilities. Yeah. So it's very critical on that. So then just, just touching on that on building the team and then that, let's say, the sweat capital that goes, that goes into it. Um, organizations, when they look at whether or not you're investment ready, mm -hmm. I assume that they take that into account on top of the financial elements. Of right? course. So the understanding you have a completely filled uh, P&L, a profit and loss statement, you know exactly how your books work, your cash flow then that team actually adds that little extra. Of course. Right? And filling those gaps. Of course. Then that's exactly what investors look for, is that investors want to understand, are these people going to look after my investment mm -hmm. like their own? And sometimes that's why they require founders to actually also sometimes have invested their own money. Because if you are investing skin your own- Skin in the game. Skin in the game. And that's it. Your human capital, your sweat equity, yeah. is your skin in the game. So when entrepreneurs actually are going to raise money, it's like, yeah, but I'm not putting any money in this business. I'm like, you're putting more money in this business than anybody who actually understand. It's your sweat capital. Sweat equity or sweat capital refers to a type of investment that is measured in time and effort put into a startup, typically by the founders. Because you've got to look at the opportunity loss, opportunity cost. If I am not working on starting my business, mm -hmm. what else could I have been doing? And that's the opportunity cost of starting a business is the revenue that you would have earned working for somebody. So that means that you do have sweat capital in there. And what type of appetite for risk then? So I put in my own money, I stopped working, I'm fully focused, I'm living in a shed in order to uh, completely 100% focus on this business. What is the appetite for an investor towards the risk of that? Because they're also not thinking of the other elements of a day-to-day -day life. Right? Of course. I always, let's, let's actually, create a holistic picture from how investors, we call it how investors actually perceive an investment when they first get it. Yeah. There's three critical elements of every single investment. There is one, they look at the team. Mm -hmm. Number two, they look at the market. Yeah. And then number three, they look at your innovational ability. Let me tell, let me, let's start with the team. For example, we already discussed that, you know, why it's important to have the right team. But let's look at the market. Businesses don't necessarily need money. If you start a business and you got money from your friends and family mm -hmm. in the beginning and you are able to actually sell your product, you've already paid for your product in the beginning. Yeah. So investors will want to see, is this person able to sell their product? And that is what is so key. And that's why I keep saying is that when people talk about the fact that, oh, oh no, I need money, like you said, mm -hmm. do you actually need money? 
No, can you actually sell your product? That means that the product is going to pay for itself. So it's also very, very important to understand that, you know what, at the end of the day, if I have a product mm -hmm. that can be sold, that means that it's actually easier to get money from investors because investors actually know that it can be sold. And of course, your financial capacity, the money that you get, what do you do with it? Well, you should reinvest. Bingo. And that, and when you reinvest it, is what your skin in the game back again. Yeah. So those are the three formations which is so so important. And I always tell entrepreneurs and when whoever is studying entrepreneurship is that listen, at the end of the day, the most important mm -hmm. thing is that you have got to understand the market and whether this product can be sold. Because if you can sell this product, all you need money for is to make the product. Once you can make the product, the product sells for itself. Yeah. You're actually not actually sinking any more money into that. As an example, in Ghana, you have uh, the ladies who sell ketamine. Yeah. Right? Um, they can sell their products. Yeah. So when you look at the market, there's a market, people want, want, they want the Kelawene, they have the plantains, they fry them, they sell the Kelawene. So they have the market, they have a business, they have people, um, in, in your example, they will not necessarily need any funding because you know the, what they earn actually allows them to sustain their business. Great example. But it doesn't allow them to grow their business. Great example. Stanley and Yofi are about to shift into a new gear in part two of this interview. Before we end part one, let's recap some of Stanley's key points. So in the beginning, when you know that people are not going to pay for an idea, the people that you have to firstly go to are the people who trust you as an individual. Because they are the people who will be willing to invest in your idea because they know you as an individual. Mm -hmm. Of course, the whole, the whole thing is that you only become a business when you've sold a product. Yeah. That, the minute you sold the product, now you're making outside money. I always believe you only need money mm -hmm. when you get to a point that you know that thing that you're going to use the money for is going to pay for itself. One of the things that entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs has to remember is that reputation is the most critical element of your business growth. And when you go in there with that sort of high valuation in order to prop up the market price so that you can get more money for your business, people remember that. So next time, if you get it wrong the first time, next time you actually go out there yep. to actually raise money, what do you think the market perception is going to be? Negative. Bingo. So that's why transparency is very, very key. Because don't forget, these guys or these people are investors because they are prudent. They are pedantic. They are very analytical. They actually understand yep. Each stage of what the business needs. That's why they invest this. Okay, so when you go there, rather be transparent and get it wrong mm -hmm. than be intransparent and then get caught later. Yeah. When you start up, when you actually start your business and you sold your first product, it is very, very important to realize that at that stage, you don't have a lot of cash flow. Because in order to actually make profits, you need to actually sell a lot of products in order to make, when you start up, like, you know, when you've sold your 10 products, it's not enough to pay wages and everything like that. So it is, at that time, also very difficult to go to a bank because a bank will require you to have a certain amount of profits and a certain amount of years of experience. Yeah. So then you have to look at, okay, who are the type of people that give money to companies in this state? And that's where they call themselves venture capitalists or like individual angel investors. Because those are the people that have got their own money mm -hmm. that can actually take a risk on you, on the business. But don't forget, 
the type of return that they're going to require is quite high because of the mere fact that there's no certainty at that yeah. time whether your business is going to do well or not. So when you talk about, and it comes back to the whole idea of investment readiness, being business ready, there are certain elements, basics that you need to have as a business. Such as? Firstly, you need to have a very, very, investors look at a very strong business plan, okay? Yeah. Because your business plan actually told the investors what exactly you are trying to achieve in a holistic manner. Because don't forget, your business plan is got who are your customers, what is your market, who are your competition, what is your financial product um, capability. So having a business plan is very, very important. Being able to interpret what you're trying to achieve is also very, very important. Because let me give you an example. If, you, if you're going to use this current production yeah. um, company, for example, he wanted four million. He understood what he needed at four million for, but he couldn't present it to investors the way that investors could understand. He was already pro, um, producing. I mean, the guy was making money. Yeah. There was nothing wrong, but he couldn't give the justification to the investors. He couldn't prove that he was investor ready. Was that more of a? Did he have more of a pitch than a business plan? He had even less than that. Even a pitch will allow me to ask certain questions. All he had was a document because I think people believe that the businesses sell themselves. Yeah. But it's not like that. You have to actually, it's like telling a story to somebody who doesn't know about you for them to get to know you.